0: grace mercy and peace from god the father and christ jesus our lord amen if i were to ask you what you think the most powerful force in the universe is what would be your response well Albert einstein had some ideas he's called one of the geniuses of modern times and he's credited with the general theory of relativity which by the way he introduced in 1915 the same year our congregation was founded Now, until very recently, what you see on the board that Einstein is writing there, which we all understand so well because of all of our physics and math and all of the smarts that we have, one of the components of Einstein's theories was the gravitational field equation, which until very recently, we didn't even have the technology to observe. Remember, this is a theory in 1915. We are just now beginning to be able to detect gravitational waves caused from catastrophic events far in our distant past in our universe. So gravity, as Einstein says, very powerful. Well, keeping with this Einstein theme, he's also credited with a few other things. One of them is saying, imagination is the most powerful force in the universe. And he's also credited with a line about the power of compound interest, saying, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. For those of us who know about loans and interests and things like that, that is true. If you have an idea what you're doing, yeah, everything is good. If not, you're just gonna simply pay it. And now, if we're talking about powerful, we have to talk, talk about the Marvel world. I'm talking about the Marvel movies. And those of you who have seen those would say, well, the Infinity Gauntlet, or more precisely, the five Infinity Stones, that is the most powerful force in our universe. Well, you know, Pastor Dan, you probably understand that I'm going to give us a little bit different perspective of what is most powerful in our universe and world today. This series that we've been working with, we're now in our fourth week, called Chameleon. It comes to a close today. And we've been talking about one of the most powerful forces, if not the most powerful force in the universe. Today we're going to talk about love. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Today, the message of love. And this is the picture of love. In case you don't know, the chosen uh, is a Netflix show right now. Uh, It's on Amazon, different places. But it's a wonderful show. And the picture of Jesus and the way Jesus interacts with folks, that is a picture of love. And as believers and followers of Christ, we are called to imitate our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And this is going to include learning how to love the way Christ loved One more quote. Oscar Wilde is credited with saying that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Often it ends there, but the rest of it is. It's the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. When we see someone, whether it's a person or an organization or an ideal that appeals to us, we want to get involved. We want to shape a part of our life around what we see as helpful and wholesome and relevant in our world. Well, friends, who better to imitate than Jesus? Who better to model your life around, to pattern your days after, to conform your image to? Because Christ is the perfect model of righteous living and loving And the truth is, as we're continuing in this sermon and wrapping it up today, this series, it's standing out for Christ. The whole premise of this idea, don't be a chameleon. Don't fit into the background, but rather stand out. We're going to stand out for Christ. It's got to include this most important aspect of his ministry, what he was all about, and that is love. You know, love is the reason Jesus came to the world. It says so. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He sent his son for us. Love was the reason that Jesus traded his life for ours. Love is why we have the free gifts of forgiveness and grace, which we have absolutely no right to. Love is why we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us 24 by 7, to give us the strength and encouragement to find God's path for us, to listen to Him talking to us, and then follow it and live it out. Today we're going to look again at just a couple of simple verses from our Bible. We're going to turn back to the Apostle Paul once again and see what he has to say from Ephesians chapter 5, the first two verses where he's been talking to those in Ephesus. And then he says, therefore, so he said some stuff leading up to it. Therefore, we get to the punchline. We are to be imitators of God as beloved children. We are to walk in love as Christ loved us and modeled for us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul is calling those in ephesus and those disciples here with us today to imitate god to imitate the way christ lived now sometimes we say this yeah we need to imitate christ we need to do what he modeled for us we need to live in love that should be simple but really it's not because often in this world, we tend to get in our own way sometimes in this whole process because we so often distort what God's love actually looks like. Because we tend to mold the definition of love into the what the world sees as love rather than what God shares with us through Scripture. So today, as we close out what I hope has been an important and life-impacting series, Standing Out for Christ... I want to look at a few key aspects on things of God's love, the truths about God's love that we cannot miss if we are to serve him in truth today. These things have to be applied and imitated in our own lives. And the first key that we have to understand is that God's love is unconditional. John 3.16 in front of you is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible and for good reason. It's an amazingly concise explanation of the gospel, often called the gospel in the nutshell, right? There wasn't anything that you and I did to earn the love and favor of God. In fact, based on my logic, the centuries of human history prior to Jesus' arrival, it would seem to me anyway that God should have certainly known better. to send his most precious gift to us because we as a race as a human race have spent so much more time looking for ways other than God to get through our life we have turned our back on God so much and so often God should have simply washed his hands of us if you think about it in terms of human logic but lucky for us God doesn't do that I'm not God you're not God God is God and he did choose to send his most precious gift to us it's exactly that he did send Jesus to us that lets us know that the motivation came out of only one place the heart of God which is love and not just any love but agape love the highest form of love that we can find in our New Testament Agape is one of several, of those Greek words that we're familiar with, that all mean love. When the word agape" is used in the Bible, though, it's very interesting. It always refers to something pure, a love that is sacrificial. And understand this: Agape love always looks out for the interests of someone else. It's not about me. It's not being selfish. Agape love is always about serving someone. Else. Reminds me of this letter. The letter says Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the unhappiness I felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie and ps congratulations on winning the state lottery <laughs> marie's love was obviously a l a lowercase l love meaning it was a conditional love not an unconditional love which god has for us conditional love comes with strings attached comes with you scratch my back i'll scratch yours it has addendums and revisions, and it changes based on how you feel that day, the weather patterns, or anything else that might come up in your life. But friends, conditional love is not the way of God. No. Psalm 136.2 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever concept that we can't really understand. What does having no beginning and no ending really mean to us who know nothing like that in our world? God's love endures forever. God's love is constant and consistent and never changes. That's why we can trust his love. The same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same tomorrow or next week or 20 years from now. But just like Marie's letter showed human love can be fickle and it changes. But even beyond that, even when we do seem to find a love that is a little bit constant in our life, it doesn't last. I know many of us have lost grandparents and some of us have even lost parents. Maybe we've lost a sibling or a spouse or maybe some children we may find amazing love in our lifetime but it is measured in years or at most decades god's unconditional love for you it has no beginning and it will have no ending i love the psalms they bring this out so well psalm twenty-two, ten: i was given over to you at birth you have been my god from my mother's womb psalm seventy-three, twenty-six: my flesh and my heart may fail And they will one day but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever we know that God's unconditional love is what draws so many people to him and as we try to imitate the love of God in our own lives so that we know that we can't share with others the same kind of love because we can't give them an eternal love right but we can give them unconditional love. How can we best love others without condition, without addendums, revisions, and provisions, without it ebbing and flowing as is natural among us? And as you think of this question, let me give you a few other questions to get some more ideas moving in your brain. When have you felt unconditional love in your life? And as you think about those moments or those kind of relationships, who do you think that you could extend that kind of love to? Can you love others who seem impossible to love? How can you get a little unconventional as you imitate Christ? Because we have to be so careful in this day and age. It seems like no matter what we do, even coming out of something good, We want to do something, but to share it to the world in a way that the world is going to accept, it can be so hard. We have to be so gentle and so caring. We have to be a little bit unconventional. And you know what? God knows that, too, because God's love for us is unconventional. When Jesus ministered on the earth, he was constantly extending compassion and mercy and love to those that the rest of culture would just pass by. The rest of culture would judge these people as kind of beneath their notice, unclean, undeserving. You think of the woman at the well, the entire Jewish culture against this woman simply because of where she lived, Samaria. You think about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He had a couple of things going against him. What about the woman with the flow of blood? What about the invalid that laid at the Pool of Bethesda for 38 years with people around him all the time and Jesus came to him? What about the thief hanging next to Jesus on the cross? You see, we can see Jesus' compassion and his mercy and most of all, his love in all of these stories and countless others throughout the Gospels. And these are just the ones that are recorded for us. There must have been countless other people who received the unconventional and unconditional love of Jesus because what you know about him is he was always willing to step out of sight of those social norms and cultural norms if it meant he could reach someone for God. There's a repeating line in a song from 1991. Some of you will be familiar with this. Crazy by the artist Seal. And he says, but we're never going to survive unless we get a little bit crazy. And I think that in our current time, that's true. We need to learn how to love unconventionally. We're going to have to learn to think out of the box. The things that we as Christians have been doing and promoting over the past decades and even centuries just not working in this world. We need to find new ways. Jesus looked crazy, (laughs) probably many times. He looked crazy to his disciples when he talked to the woman at the well. The Pharisees thought he surely must be crazy for healing people on the Sabbath. Peter and Paul and Stephen and all the other disciples, they lived a life completely committed to the gospel, which in the eyes of their contemporaries must have seemed a little bit batty. Point here being, if we're going to truly imitate the love of Christ in our own lives, we are going to have to stand out. And sometimes that's going to look a little bit odd to those around us. But here it is. The unconditional and unconventional love of Christ, it produces unbelievable results. It is so foreign to the way the world thinks, it is so refreshing, so jaw-droppingly stopping your tracks, astounding, that you simply cannot ignore it. Anyone faced with the Christ's love is going to be impacted because God's love is unbelievable. It's unbelievable what the love of God can do in a person's life, what it's done in your life, what it's done in the life of your family. You think about the redemption, the reconciliation, healing that rift between us and God, the renewal that we have, the transformation of our lives. Just amazing. And if you've been a follower of Christ for very long, you've heard or you've read unbelievable testimony of someone responding to Christ's love in their life. At one point, there are so many who converted to Christianity from other religions. And when you ask them why, they answer, well, the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ. That's what turned their heart. You think about it, you live a long time spending maybe your entire life just working harder and harder to earn the favor, the conditional love of whatever God or religion you happen to be following. For that person to hear the wonderful news of the cross and what it means for their life, that they're unconditionally loved, it is simply astounding and shocking. Then, of course, that beautiful twist on Christianity is this in response to the unbelievable love of God, you and I are then called to wholly place our belief, trust, and hope in the one who traded his life for ours. We are called to live in and believe in that sacrificial love of Christ, the same Christ who said this about his disciples. Greater love has no one than this, than someone would lay down his life for his friends you have friends in your life that you would lay your life down for as i've been talking today are there images of people coming to your mind those who need to know christ's love would you be willing to be as we said last week an ambassador that represents this kind of kingdom of love are you wi- willing to imitate christ are you willing to stand out and do what you've been chosen to do Jesus says this, and this sums it up beautifully for us, his followers. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Because loving others is such a shock to the way the world views things. But friends, by loving as Jesus teaches us to love, people around you are going to be impacted. Or at the very least, they're going to understand that you are living with a different perspective, that your habits and characteristics come from the perspective of living in a different kind of kingdom. Another way to look at this is to say, if you love others, you're going to stand out, especially in the world we live in today. And if you love unconditionally and unconventionally the way Jesus did, if you imitate the way that he modeled life for us, you're going to see people moving around in your sphere of influence that will then be impacted by this love. Because this kind of capital L love is unbelievable. It enacts wonderful and incredible transformations and wonderful Restorations of relationships can happen around it. Well, as we're ending today's message and ending really with the series finale today, you already know what I'm going to say, right? There's a challenge coming. But friends, today this challenge may be worth spending a little more time and energy on. Friends, we have got the capital T truth of God's capital L love, and we've got it in our lives already. Going back to my earlier question, who do you have in your mind when you think about someone who needs to know the unconditional love of God? Who do you know that needs to experience this kind of love today? What can you do this week to be more like Christ to love like christ are there areas of conditional love in your own life in your own relationships that you need to repair and restore and turn them into a little more unconditional love how can you change your attitude regarding those relationships maybe one of the things you can do is immerse yourself in the gospels read or reread all these wonderful ways that jesus interacted with people. Maybe, and most especially if you haven't haven't got to see all four weeks of this sermon series, you need to go back and re-watch them. Go to YouTube. These things stay out there, well, forever, right? Go back and rewatch them as many times as you want. See what we've been talking about. Whatever it is, whatever you are feeling called to do today. Commit to it. Be a little unconventional. Stand out rather than fit in. Make it more about Christ and less about you. Let's pray. God, help me to understand the love that you have for me and the rest of your people. Help me to see how that love differs from the love that the world promotes. And once I understand your unconditional love and I've taken it on myself to be that way to others, help me to learn how to best show it to those around me in the way that I act and speak and think. God, please help me to stand out. Remind me that you chose me for your work. Encourage me as I find out how to be your ambassador and make my life about living for others first. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.